Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate. Blood pressure is fairly normal. Thurston and Charles uh, doesn't really care about Nate's blood pressure. Thompson, it's weird that our parents thought to name us that, but that is it. How's it going today, man? Oh, yeah, it's a very crazy name. But I was born in Oakland, California, so it makes sense. Coming from coming from there, yeah, one of them crazy <laughs> California names. But you know, I only lived there for two years, and I don't remember much of it. Um, besides that, uh, I, I, I just don't remember much of it. So, I, you know, I wanted to let the people know this is uh, your final episode. So make sure you hit that subscribe button because <laughs> you're just going to get more of me. Not that Nate's quitting or anything; he's just he's probably going to die. It's my heart that's quitting. Yeah, that's heart. What's happening. Nate doesn't want to quit, but without a heart, it's hard to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. So they say, I'm not a medical expert by any stretch of the imagination whatsoever. I just typically I've heard, you know, I've read in a book somewhere that if you don't have a heart that's beating properly, then it's hard to do. It's hard to make sounds out of your mouth. <laughs> it is. It is overall. Although I do feel like we've been called heartless plenty of times. So we might just be able to keep going with our vicious libertarian beliefs. Now, I don't know. Is, you know, why did your blood pressure spike? You think, is it, is it the political climate we're in? <laughs> is it all the work you've assigned yourself? Is it, it uh, is it perhaps you're traveling to Chattanooga this weekend and you're just nervous about it? What is it? It has a lot to do with the work that I've assigned myself. Um, there is a point where you can't do all the things that you want to do. And I feel like a total failure right now, uh, even though still cranking out tons of content, but it's not all the content that I want to crank out. So then that equals fail to me overall. And then um, in a lot of pain, you know, just a little fractured bone in my back. And it seems to hurt every once in a while when you move. And pain they does cause your blood pressure to rise. That's, yeah, that's true. I was also getting a flu shot and I'm deathly a terrible, de- death, deathly afraid of shots. Just terribly, terribly afraid of shots. You're also a terrible of them. I'm a terrible of flu. And uh, now I won't get the flu strain that they've vaccinated me for. I'll just get the other one. (laughs) Actually, you still might get it. Yeah, still might. Just may not be the worst version of it. But anyway, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, a place (laughs) where we talk about life, liberty, the pursuit of meaning and blood pressures. And uh, just in case you guys need some some redneck medical advice, we got you covered (laughs) because (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're experts in. Today but. proved that vaccines really are dangerous. You know, that's right. that's what I heard. Charles, <laughs> I, wonder tell- many, I wonder how many seconds or minutes you lost off your life because of that blood pressure. Spike. Oh, I don't know. I don't care right now. But when I'm like in my 50s or 60s, I'll be wanting that time back for sure. Yeah. But hey, who cares? And it sounds uh, like I'm going to go ahead and announce this. Uh, I, I hadn't planned on doing this, but it sounds like <laughs> Nate is so busy. Um, we might actually be looking for um, an internship possibly a uh, a part-time position for good morning liberty so hit uh hit me up because i'll respond charlie at goodmorningliberty.us charlie at goodmorningliberty.us if you're interested at all in working with us perhaps an internship i do have somebody that uh, wants to intern for paradexo our healthcare company as well so um send me that information um and if you're interested in doing that then we can potentially set something up there's a lot of work to be done and uh you know, if we get, uh, you know, 10,000 more Patreon subscribers, we'll be able to pay you. So, 
send me an email, Charlie at goodmorningliver.us if you're interested at all in this space. Um, and it, it's a lot of fun. So we'll, we'll be looking at that to try to uh, keep this keep this boat a rowing. Yep. Are we talking say. the expat today? Yes, we are. All right, that's, guys, go over to true. go over to the Expat Money Show. Go to expatmoneyshow.com. Check out the podcast. Check out the Facebook, the forum. If you've ever wanted to really live free, like our buddy Mikhail Thorpe over there at the Expat Money Show, you need to go to his website and figure out how you can. This includes finding legal ways to get around taxation, uh, to get around all the crazy regulation, to actually live free of the tyrannical government that takes your money and uses it for all kinds of things that you do not agree with whatsoever. If you got some wealth, you want to protect it. If you're trying to invest, you want to try and protect that too because the government's coming for you. And uh, it, I really couldn't speak highly enough of the amount he made me jealous of my life and it's a it's a lot because of his life of his life i was jealous i was upset about my life jealous of his because here he is just being a libertarian without having to worry about the cops knocking on his door every single day yeah and uh, we talked a lot about personal responsibility and what it means to be a libertarian and to actually not just talk about it, but to live it out. I mean, we interviewed Mikel a couple of weeks ago. You guys should go back and listen to that interview because it was so enlightening. And if you can educate and inform yourself on how to live a better life, like, look, you get one shot. So take personal responsibility for it. If you want to understand how you can within the system still live a libertarian lifestyle, then it's possible and check all of that out. I, even if you don't want to move right now, you should still at least educate yourself. So expatmoneyshow.com, E-X-P-A-T, moneyshow.com, or search for their podcast. They come out with new episodes every single Friday. They've got a growing Facebook group and a forum and a blog and all kinds of things. So please go sign up over there. Talk to our buddy, Mikel. Let him know we sent you, and you're not you're not going to regret it. I know that. Charlie, what was your takeaway from the debate last night? <laughs> Well, um, my takeaway was uh, that uh, two old men were um, were talking about things, and and that's all I got. Yeah, I didn't watch it. I will say I, I did, so when I got home, I watched like this ten minute highlight reel. And what I find interesting about this is is the the people in the campaigns that are paying attention to data and and certain things. I find it that. Trump is really good at hammering certain points home. And I mentioned this actually in our conversation we had before this for our, for the humankind project that we're doing, um, which by the way, the first episode was released last weekend. So you guys should check that out. Um, but what I find interesting is that they, they analyze all this data and they, they find these like key words that they, that they want to hit on that kind of I, in my, in my view would pump up the base perhaps. And in the last couple of weeks, all I can hear Trump saying in the back of my mind is super predator, super predator, super predator. And, he, you know, when he talks about it's good for him to bring up the fact that Joe Biden was basically the author of the 1994 crime bill that started this whole and well, not started, but made the criminal justice system even worse, especially for minority communities. Um, and so it's good for him to bring that up. But the key word that he keeps talking about there is that Joe Biden called uh, you know, black and brown people, super predators. And and I will say that uh, apparently has been fact-checked to be not true. And so I'll have to really? check on that. Yeah, now that was a fact-check done by the, 
uh, I believe, Washington Post or something like that. Uh, but the alleged super predator comment was supposedly made by Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden just called people predators. And Hillary Clinton is the one who said super predators. I don't know. That's what the fact check said. I have not gone back and watched the tapes. That's so, so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, Joe Biden will also say that he didn't call Trump xenophobic for banning travel from China when he posted that Trump was xenophobic on the day the day of or day after Trump banned travel from China. And Biden's trying to say, well, I wasn't saying it about that. I was saying it about I was talking about something else. Because you realize he's kind of caught on that. Trump did ban travel from China because he was trying to take the virus seriously, albeit not uh, creating panic around the whole country. But uh, anyway, uh, those are the kinds of things that I don't know that people just like to wipe away the truth. And interesting, interesting takes from the live group so far. Their overall opinion: um, uh, Magoo thinks it was Trump's best debate of his political career. I thought he. And, uh, I watched over like half. He was the one recovering from COVID. I watched over half of it. I thought I will be on I will be completely honest with you guys. And listen, I'm still look, here's the deal. I'm still uh, Dr. Joe has got my vote. If I were someone who were not an ardent libertarian who had a podcast talking about libertarianism all the time, Trump might have won my vote last night, honestly, from what I watched because he was um as presidential no, he was as presidential as he could be, um, being himself. <laughs> he was not very presidential. Um, I thought he was very respectful. He was probably forced to because of uh, soundboards that have, you know, mute, mute buttons on them all the time. And so you can just do things like that. And so he had to. I would also say the moderator, while she cut off Trump, while he was trying to make good points about Biden in, in special times, I thought she did a... I thought she did an overall wonderful job at it. She was extremely, uh, she was delightful. <laughs> she was, uh, yeah, I, I thought she, um, she was very polite and respectful and handled everything really well. And now there were a few times where Trump would start railing about the whole Hunter Biden thing or some of the other stuff. And she would start cutting him off mid sentence when he would start talking about it. So that was frustrating, but she did it in a very polite way. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kudos to her. There's only a few uh, a few takeaways I took from, I watched a little over half of the debate, and there were some things that really bothered me, I guess from a libertarian perspective. Biden was railing on Trump about Trump being willing to talk to North Korea and being buddy-buddy with, with North Korea and everything. Um, I think... Uh, what, what do you want him to do? What's the best option? To put sanctions on, on the country so strong, you know, everyone starves to death. And, um, is it to threaten nuclear war with them? Is it to not answer the phone? Or is it to be diplomatic and go talk to the person? And maybe Trump is actually a good enough negotiator and good enough at reading people that he knows how to uh, manipulate someone in a room and say the things that they want to hear and say just enough things about them being a, a, a good person or being a or being a cool guy or them having a good relationship uh, that that maybe it could take the guy's finger off the freaking button. And I, I don't like this hatred towards Trump for talking to North Korea whatsoever. That's one of my favorite things that he did. 
because I don't want anyone to have a war with North Korea. I don't that want sending Rand Paul to Iran. Yeah. And to me, he's been very as anti-war as I've seen in my lifetime. And still, uh, you know, obviously there's wars going on, but he is not still dropping bombs. There's, but. there's not been any new conflicts added. And in my lifetime, that's a win. And so I, I don't like trying to point towards Trump as someone who's having terrible, uh, as far as the diplomatic policies with other countries and, and countries we could be in war with. I thought that that was a good thing. And then Biden says something crazy like, uh, you know, he has a very good, basically Trump said he has a very good relationship with North Korea. And uh, Biden says, yeah, we had a good, we had, we had a good relationship with Hitler before he invaded Europe too. And now number one, Germany's in Europe. It's, it's yeah. in, it, it's in there. They yeah. were already there. In fact, and, they're part of the European Union. Yeah, they're, 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 they're part of Europe. So, but I know what he meant. And that means in my book already, just so you know, if you wanted to call who won the debate, it was Trump because Biden mentioned Hitler. And so that means that he conceded <laughs> the debate. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a rule. Who won the debate? The person who didn't mention Hitler last night. Yeah. Because they, they didn't need to go to the most extreme example to fight for some of their ideas or make the other person look bad. So that means they were arguing from a losing position and they felt their only option was to go to Hitler. Yeah. That That's it. That is why you lose. I will say Trump made another good point when he basically left Biden speechless, I would say, when he asked the question, who built the cages? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was that I did see that part of it. And I thought that that was quite uh, hysterical. And then um, Biden throws out a crazy lie, like no one lost their insurance under Obamacare when they were pregnant. No one lost their insurance. People have been losing insurance since Trump got in office. No one lost their insurance because of Obamacare. No one lost their plan because Obama said, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. So no one lost it. You're literally talking about something. I can't remember the organization, PolitiFact, that got the, the lie of the year saying that people could keep their insurance plans. You're listening to someone talk right now whose wife lost her insurance when, when this whole thing happened. Had to go to a much, much worse plan after that. And it's, it's completely insane to think that people did not lose their insurance under Obama. She even said, can I keep it? And they said, no. Yeah. Obama said, no. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, that's it. it. Can I keep my plan? I want to. And he said, no, no, you cannot. And uh, also, I think the average American family was supposed to save twenty five hundred dollars mm -hmm. on their premiums. And yeah. I believe premiums rose by what was it? Eighty something percent. It was a very, very much, very much. Yes. Uh, it, and what it, they didn't talk about was not only did premiums go up, but your deductible skyrocketed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. which is like a which is like a I don't know. It's a triple fecta. Yeah. The other trifecta. Uh, I was, yeah, try That would be it. A triple, triple fecta. He's the triple, triple fecta. He's the triple fecta. Um, Todd brought up another good point. The uh, COVID deaths. I was actually going back and forth with someone on Twitter with this last night, uh, basically blaming Trump for all of the COVID deaths. That is a ridiculous comment. Now, if you want to blame Trump for, if you're going to make a political argument and you're going to blame someone, we got what, 220, 230,000 people. I don't know what the exact number is that have died from COVID. Now, if you want to blame 40,000 of them on the fact that Trump was president, you want to blame 60,000 of them on the fact that he was president, I don't know what the number is going to be. But you realize once you get past like 30, 40,000, 
you're saying that we would have had a lower mortality rate, a lower deaths per million rate than every other country in the entire world that's, that's, that's got a high population like we do. So assuming that uh, if a Democrat were in charge, if Hillary Clinton, the murderer of all murderers, was in charge, that less people would have died from COVID? Maybe, because they all would have been hung first. I'm not really sure. <laughs> okay, but that less people would have died because she was they in all office? They all would have not killed themselves. And you're not making the point that less people would have died. You're making the point that none of them would have died if she was in office. Not any deaths in the U.S. Every death in the U.S. is Trump's fault. That's the kind of stuff that, like, I'm not going to listen to anything you got to say, man. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Come on, Come man. Come on, man. So those are, uh, those are my well, only... Well, we know we talked about this back when coronavirus first hit is that we knew that they were going to use this against him. It was it was definitely going to be the the catalyst that they were going to try to hammer home. And the fact that if it would have been democratically controlled instead of Trump controlled, then things would have Americans would have been much better off. Um, and I, I don't I don't think I can agree with that. And it must be nice to sit in that position and say, if it were me if I could have ushered in the lockdowns and the pandemic, then more people would have been saved. That's really easy to say from your chair there. Can you imagine the mental gymnastics that goes into blaming Trump for every death and blaming Trump for shutting down the economy and, and everyone losing jobs at the same time? At the same time. Yeah. In the same debate last night, Trump was both blamed for people dying, all of them, all 200 and something thousand of them, and was blamed because of the lockdowns that were in and the fact that so many people had lost their jobs and the economy was doing so terrible at the Which, same time. By the way, time, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I, Trump didn't set out a federal purview. He actually did it the right way. Yeah, he let the states he, do what they wanted. He shut down he government operations, do but that yeah. was it. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't force business. Trump didn't force businesses to close. He let it left it up to the states and the governors are the ones who did it. But it's you can sit up there and blame him for all of it. And we knew this was going to happen. Absolutely knew it was going to happen. So it's just, uh, you know, just more uh, predictions coming to fruition here on the Good Morning Liberty podcast, <laughs> a place where you'll find all the predictions coming true. That's just what we do. <laughs> it's what we do here. It's the, we have the most humble podcast on the podcast network. No one is more humble than we are. Try it. You couldn't possibly be, possibly be more <laughs> humble than we are. Yeah. Can I pick on a libertarian for a second? Do it. With all due respect. Okay. Something bothered me. And libertarians, in my opinion. And you're saying with all due respect. I remember, I said with all due respect. I got a bone to pick constantly with that there Chris Spangle from We Are Libertarians. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. He said something... Uh-huh. Now, listen, he probably wasn't directing this at us, but I posted a poll on our Twitter, said, hey, who won the debate? I didn't watch. And about 20 minutes later, he posted saying, I'm disgusted by people saying who won the debate, like the this cable news ideology that, uh, that we need to ask who won the debate. Debates are supposed to be things where people talk about ideas, and then they, they get those ideas out so people can can make the proper decisions on things. And so I responded with, okay, so who did the best job at doing that? <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what I responded with. Guys, a, a, a debate. Who won, it, who won that? 
a debate, like an especially like an Oxford style debate, uh, a lot of the times they pull the audience on their beliefs beforehand, and then they pull the audience on their beliefs afterhand, afterhand, which is <laughs> on the left side, and then they see who won the debate. Do you know how many debate teams? After all the hands. After all the hands are counted, they see who won the debate. They literally there are debate teams all across the country, and your job in the debate is to try and get your points across to the point that you change some of the beliefs of the other people or that you get your side out there and some people change their thoughts on something just a little bit. And the person who does the best job at doing that is the person who won the debate. There is no reason to come out with this this pretentious libertarianism floating above, uh, oh, I just have to be anti what everyone else is saying, even when it makes sense because I'm a libertarian and I'm better than everyone. So anyway, with all due as respect, the old, as the old philosopher, uh, ludicrous would say, yeah, debates are meant to be one, but you can't make one debates. <laughs> I, I that was a quote I had written down. Actually, I was going to go through. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 Ludic- he's a great philosopher. Look him mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Luda, ludicrous. <laughs> anyway, tell me about drugs. Yeah, so this uh, I guess this qualifies for for dumb bleep in my opinion, yeah, uh, because it's just completely preposterous. But anyway, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but there was a massive lawsuit, and this is coming from CNN. Um, OxyContin maker to plead guilty to, which is Purdue Pharmacy, by the way, they're going to plead guilty to federal criminal charges and pay eight billion dollars and close the company. Now uh, you have to dig a little bit in here to to realize that. Oxycontin's not going away, folks. So let me read it a little bit for you here, and, and I'll point out the dumb bleep in a second. So Purdue Pharma, the maker of Oxycontin, has agreed to plead guilty to three federal criminal charges for its role in creating the nation's opiate crisis and will pay more than $8 billion and close down the company. The money will go to opioid treatment and abatement programs. The privately held company has agreed to pay a $3.5 billion fine as well as forfeit an additional two billion, two billion in past profits, in addition to the two point eight billion it agreed to pay in civil liability. Now, before all of this happened, the family who owns this uh, did take out ten billion dollars. Um, so they, oh. they and they put it in trusts, of course. So so that can't be touched in this lawsuit. Um, but uh, the uh, the drug and uh, the DEA assistant administrator, Tim McDermott, said Purdue Pharma actively thwarted the United States efforts to ensure compliance and prevent diversion. The devastating ripple effect of Purdue's actions left lies uh, left lies lost and others addicted. And what happened was, is they were offering massive incentives for doctors to continue to, to prescribe this medication. And they made a, a lot of benefits. But here's the dumb bleep right here. The company doesn't have $8 billion in cash available to pay the fines. So Purdue will be dissolved as part of the settlement. And it's at, here we go. And its assets will be used to create a new public benefit company controlled by a trust or similar entity designed for the benefit of the American public. The Justice Department said it will function entirely in the public interest rather than to maximize profits. Its future earnings will go to paying the fines and penalties, which in turn will be used to combat the opioid crisis. So essentially they're dissolving a privately held company and the government is now going to control it and it's going to be a public benefit company. So uh, they're not stopping Oxycontin, which, you know, there, there are, you know, people who need legit pain medication uh, like Oxycontin, 
Uh, however, the fact that this privately held company went, you know, went under because of what they did, uh, that they, they now want to transfer this over to be a government controlled. And you have uh, several states that are very angry about this saying that there's no reason that the government should be involved in a, in, in, in a drug company uh, providing Oxycontin to the public. And how is that going to be a public benefit company? Uh, who's going to have control over it? And then if something terrible happens, how do you sue them? Yeah, there's not going to be any legal redress against this uh, nationalized drug manufacturer right here when when they ultimately kill a bunch of people with their with this their is drugs. Chief Warren's uh, wet dream. I know this is seriously uh, Bernie. Bernie just turned back over in his early grave right now. <laughs> you know, he's looking back on the bright side right now. I yeah. mean, th this is exactly what what these people are looking for, and th it is funny for the public good. Oh, we're not going to stop OxyContin. We're not going to do that. We just won't have have those evil private people selling it to you anymore. We're going to sell it. That's how you fix it. And if some people die, good luck suing us. The, right. <laughs> good luck with that. There were 25 state attorney generals who wrote the U.S. Attorney General last week arguing against the plan to create a government-controlled company out of the assets of Purdue Pharma, arguing that the government should not be in the business of selling Oxycontin. The letter says the public should not uh, should be confident that public officials are seeking to avoid having special ties to an op uh, opioid company, conflicts of interest or mixed motives in the industry that caused a national crisis. Selling the business to a private owner may also deliver more upfront money that cities and states can use to abate the opioid e epidemic. So 25 states are saying, do God, do we need a federal drug company? This yeah. is uh, this is. This is the road to serfdom. <laughs> there you go. All right. So that'll be dumb bleep. Number one will be the government nationalizing Purdue Pharma <clears throat> so they can kill people with their drugs. And, uh, and that way, no one will be harmed in the process. That is the, that's the best way to do it. Um, dumb bleep number two comes from the debate last night. There was something super annoying that he did get called out on actually by, uh, by Politico during the debate. Biden himself when talking about criminal justice reform, I believe it was said, well, they couldn't do anything with criminal justice reform uh, because Republicans in Congress wouldn't work with, with them on it. The, the Republicans controlled Congress, so they couldn't do yeah. anything. We had a Republican Congress. Yeah, that's what it was. And so my... Those damn Republicans. My response back was, uh, well, how'd you pass Obamacare? <laughs> <laughs> was that get through the Republican Congress? No, yeah. you didn't have Republican Congress for the whole time that Obama was in office. Just say what it actually is. It wasn't a priority because you didn't want to get a, you didn't want to nix your Joe Crow laws from the books and you didn't want to make anyone else look bad. And so just say that out loud. We didn't do anything about criminal justice reform because we didn't care and we were totally fine with what was going on. All right. Don't, don't say it's because Republicans were in Congress because when Republicans weren't in Congress, you got through some of the other stuff that you actually cared about. So this just wasn't one of them. That's the actual answer. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's, that's dumb bleep number two. That's the whole dumb thing. Number two. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. That's yeah. Fantastic. Go dumb bleep number three. Well, go on to uh, the Dar Darshan. Darshan. Yeah. yeah. Darshan Kendrick. So there's uh there's two, oh, there's multiple tweets here. Yeah. This is her number one. Now the rest of these, we decided that we would honor women with dumb bleep number 
with a dumb leap of the week because every all of these are from women. <laughs> so it's her twice, three times, twice, mm-hmm. and then Rachel Maddow. And Is then this all encompassing Jamal dumb Hill. bleep number three? No, no, these are all They're different all dumb bleeps. Okay. Yeah. So dumb bleep number three. This is the first one from Darshan Kendrick. Uh, she said, minimum wage is left up to the states, question mark. How does that even work? <laughs> so this was in reference to a little bit of a minimum wage conversation last night. And Dar- Darshan, is that how you say it? I don't know. Dar- Darshan. She Kendrick. doesn't understand how it could possibly be left up to the states. A, a representative from Georgia, representing the 94th district in Georgia, tweeted... How does it work to leave minimum wage up to the states? What do you mean? (laughs) She's a state representative. (laughs) And on top of that, she's also, she's also a corporate attorney. She's a lawyer. Anyway. Oh no. Yeah. 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 Um, most of the states have a minimum wage that is higher than the federal minimum wage. And like almost no one makes the actual federal minimum wage. It's what one percent of the the uh, wage minimum earners. wage workforce, or is it all wage, or is it all wage earners actually make the the federal minimum wage? I think the, it's all wage earners. Yeah. The the market has risen above the federal minimum wage, and and a lot of people have talked about this that that's actually how you get rid of the minimum wage is you never raise it. And eventually it will it will become completely inconsequential because it is so low that no one's going to offer that little that that little amount of money. So that is how you actually get away from it. But dumb bleep number three being a Georgia congresswoman um, asking how it would possibly work to leave minimum wage up to the states. I didn't know that's who she was. That makes it so much better. <laughs> oh, uh. she so. She gets dumb. Now, why don't we give her a group dumb bleep? We'll give her okay. her. We'll give She'll her her own three. category because it's going to be unfair for her to get multiple entries. She'll have yeah. a higher chance of winning. She's oh. in a. She's a corporate attorney and investment advisor. This is on her Twitter, by the way. Mm. And she's a Georgia state representative. She's the chief deputy whip, also. So, <laughs> so let's see what her next one is. Um, she said, uh. "Did." Uh, President Trump just say 545 kids they can't find their parents for came over through cartels and coyotes. How the hell does a coyote bring a whole human across the border? <laughs> Lord, stop talking. <laughs> I want to tweet her and be like, Lord, stop tweeting. Oh my God, stop. First of all, the, the sentence that she wrote didn't make any sense in the first one. She said, did at real Donald Trump just say 545 kids, they can't find their parents for came over through cartels and coyotes. <laughs> what? She's got a commie bot writing that for her. I'm pretty sure. Is she trying to say. But so then he qualifies that by saying, how the hell does a coyote bring a whole human across the border? <laughs> you got, we'll put a link. We'll put a link. Todd says he has very strong teeth. I will say, it, although he is very delicate, it's a very delicate coyote overall. Well, you see, Darshan, it depends on uh, which states a federal minimum wage supports the coyotes' <laughs> labor to actually drag that uh, whole human body across the border. So, yeah, you know, I hear uh, Arizona, um, 
is a little bit better maybe than New Mexico. So anyway, uh, um, for anyone who doesn't know that a, a coyote is someone who smuggles migrants uh, across the border. It's yeah. Coyote. That's what they call them. Um, there's it's a known. It's, it's a term Trump, that's known. Trump did not say that a, that an actual, a physical animal that we call a, a coyote or a coyote that actually grabbed children, 545 of them, and brought them across the border. That would not be good. Surprised she didn't start talking about Roadrunners and TNT. <laughs> I was just about to mention Wiley Coyote. Gosh <laughs> dang it. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> anyway, so, so that, anyway, Darshan what, Kendrick. She falls in Dumb Bleep number three. Dumb Bleep number three, Darshan. Okay. Rachel Maddow. Dumb Bleep number four. She she might be um she might be dumber than Maxine Waters. It's pot uh, oh Dar Darshan? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty bad. And um, not only did she say that, but then she, like you said, she qualified it, asking, how would a coyote bring a whole human across the border? And then said, yeah. stop talking to Trump. Right. <laughs> this, this, like, oh, this, what an idiot. I know everything. Everyone else, no one knows as much as I do. How could you possibly say things that are so dumb? And then you do, you do this right here, which, yeah. I don't know. No one's really going to care, but it is tailor-made for Dumb Bleep of the Week. Wes says number three wins. No need to continue. Yeah, we don't even have to go. <laughs> this it. one, the the other ones here are a, a little bit of pet peeves. There's one that is completely ridiculous, but Rachel Maddow said, Dumb Bleep number four, the president has never explained why job growth slowed after he took office, even before the coronavirus pandemic. Now, this has been a talking point that people have been saying, well, your job growth had slowed before the pandemic started. Now, I will qualify this and disclaimer this. Um, our economy, although it looked really good, was uh, absolute bleep, mm -hmm. being dumb bleep of the week. It was not good, okay? But that is not what they're talking about. Rachel Maddow is not talking about, oh, what you... Uh, you didn't realize that we were built on a <clears throat> on a fiscal policy that was terrible and we had a fiat currency that wasn't backed by anything whatsoever and we're printing more and devaluing. That's not what she's talking about. What she's talking about is this this uh, these political numbers games where someone says, oh, look, here's your, your job growth right there. It's <clears throat> it's two percent or it's a whatever percent. And and before it was actually slowing down. And the reason that's so dumb is that when you get to almost full employment, your growth will slow down. It has to. Yeah. If you get to almost full employment, the growth will slow down. If you fill all of the need out there, almost, and you make every job that could be made inside of your government-controlled crony capitalist slash fascist economy that you're working with them, then when you fill all of that demand with jobs, eventually the growth has to slow. And what I get really annoyed by are people trying to use things like that for political purposes. Like, uh, oh, I don't know, like uh, Obama's market growing so fast and creating all these jobs. Trump does it right now. We created 11 million jobs in the last, uh, since March 13th, you know? Okay, yeah, how many... That's when 45 million people were out of work. Mm -hmm. So let's <laughs> so. let's qualify that. Are there more or less right now? That's what actually matters. 
Are there more or less right now? You can yeah. always say we create just like what people do with the billionaires. Billionaires have made this much money since March 13th. Okay, well, you pull them from the bottom of the market so you can manipulate the numbers. When you say that the president won't explain why job growth slowed after he took office, are you really looking to Trump for a basic economics lesson? Is that what you is that what you actually want to get from him? Because when you get to almost full employment, the growth is going to slow. You cannot keep the job growth up when you run out of people to employ or that are willing to work. There are people say, who just need to are qualify not. that because the actual unemployment number is higher. But of the people who are actually searching for a job, mm -hmm. almost all of them actually found one. You can only provide <clears throat> the jobs uh, for the people that are physically willing to work. The people who are never going to work, um, you're not going to create that job growth because they refuse to work and they lack the proper incentive to uh, go do it anyway, like everyone else who has a job. So <laughs> anyway, Wes <laughs> says he'd rather get carried away by a coyote than try to find logic in Madhouse arguments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Todd says in 2019, unemployment rate was close to three and a half percent. You can't really go much lower, um, which is true. And again, qualifying the, you know, the unemployment rate that they measure versus the real unemployment rate, because there are still millions of people who don't even look for jobs. So they're not actually employed. Yeah. And that is the, that is what the employment number represents. There's a reason it represents that. And I wish we would just show the actual percentage of people that were unemployed. But if you are measuring your uh, your job, how you did at your job. Um, if you're just measuring that, how did I do at creating the jobs? Then you could only measure that based on people who are willing to work, people that would ever take a job. Because if you mix in the people who refuse to ever take a job or who can't work or anything like that, then those people are going to skew your numbers. So there are there is a reason that they use that number. What we should go off of is the, I would like to just have the employment number. What's our employment number? Let's get that up as high as it possibly can can go, mm -hmm. you know. But those little things just simply annoy the hell out of me. So that's that's annoying. Dumb bleep <clears throat> number four. Yeah, Mad Al. All right, this is number five from Jamel Hill. She says Lyndon B. Johnson would like a word about being the president who did the most for black people. <laughs> <laughs> read that again for the folks in the back. Lyndon B. Johnson would like a word about being the president who did the most for black people. Now, this is the president, I believe, who talked about behind closed doors that the policies he's, he was enacting was to keep black people down, essentially. Yeah. I don't remember all the words he used. I believe he even might have thrown in the N-word. Uh, from in MSNBC in 1957, Johnson, Johnson said he would help get the N-word bill passed. How's it going, Mr. N-word? Known, <laughs> known to most as the Civil Rights Act of 1957. Uh, there are also uh, there are, are also reports, although not confirmed, of people who were writing uh, around with him, people that were writing books and stuff, people traveling with him, that he said the words, I will have those expletives voting Democrat for the next 200 years. And so to to go ahead and use Lyndon B. Johnson as the person who did the most for black people, let's not even bring Abraham Lincoln into the conversation. <laughs> let's not even let's not even talk about that. Yeah. You know, I'm not even saying that he, you know, what whatever we all we all know. I think we 
we all understand that there were probably different reasonings behind things that happened in the 1800s as far as what Abraham Lincoln was doing. I don't know if he was just a great, virtuous, amazing person that was trying to do great things for, for black people or anything, but Lyndon B. Johnson, did he do the most for, for what, what did he do? What did he do? Hook them on welfare forever. Is that what she's saying? Welfare. She's literally talking about the guy who instituted the, the war on poverty. That's what I look at. I don't look at the civil rights act. That's, that that's a part of it, but then you come in with these with these ideas like the war on poverty, and you and then you have people like Joe Biden that and the crime bill on top of that, and you see all these things in succession of people who are trying to act like they're helping people. I mean, back back in that time in the seventies, <clears throat> obviously, uh, people who were minorities were in a lot worse uh, situation when it comes to racism and things like that. I, think, I would say that we made some strides since that time. And so you can make a case that there were a lot of people who wanted to work that couldn't work, probably because of some terrible government policies still at that time. But did, did the things that he did actually actually help everyone? Is, is he some kind of beacon of liberty for, for minorities? I don't think so. Not to mention... In fact, it, I would say he's the opposite. He is. He's a I'm MSNBC. There's an article right here talking about how racist Lyndon B. Johnson was. MSNBC. We just talked about Rachel Maddow right beforehand. The two of these should get together and discuss a little bit about Lyndon B. Johnson, I think. It's crazy. People just want to yeah. wipe out history and make it whatever they want to do. I'm just saying. I think... I think <laughs> and then George, I'm, a, yeah. I'm still confused why Obama's not in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, wasn't he the first black president? Yeah. <laughs> do wouldn't he do the most for, for black people? But and, he didn't. And you could make an argument uh, on an emotional level, on a motivational level, that a lot of people growing up that are minorities seem that we had a, a black president would do a lot for people who are minorities, that they knew that it was possible, that you could get to the most powerful person in the world if you could just pull enough strings and pay the right people. And, and to let everyone know that that was actually possible, I would say that would be a really good thing. But I still have to argue that the president having the guts to sign something like the Emancipation Proclamation uh, could, could kind of be ground zero for someone doing the most for black people overall in the U.S., even if he didn't believe in it. But he still died for it, still was killed because of what he did for black people, whether he believed it or not. So, yeah. Any, I mean, anyway, you definitely qualify him as a martyr. Yeah, he really could. Yeah, he, um, what he did got him killed essentially. So, anyway, very interesting, Jamal. Yeah. Um, you know, keep keep reading. You're on to something. Go a little <laughs> deeper. <laughs> just dig, just dig a little bit deeper. Um, one. What I actually want to do is skip the next one um, because I didn't pull all the data for it. Okay. And I want to go to the... So was that dumb bleep number five? Five. So five was Jamel Hill with Lyndon B. Johnson, loves black people. Um, number four was Rachel Maddow, MSNBC. Number three was Darshan. Just throwing multiple entries in there, which is technically not legal in our uh, the bylaws, but it's okay. Yeah, with um, Wiley Coyote. She's got a weighted vote. This is like a weighted 
moving average for the dumb bleep of the week, she's going to be able to <laughs> pop up a little bit more because she has more volume when it comes to dumb bleep. Um, going down to this email, Charlie, before you get going on it, this is somewhat something that a listener sent over. They received this because they were a customer of a company called Expensify. And Expensify, which I believe helps you organize your receipts and expenses, things like that. <clears throat> they sent out this email to all of their customers. So uh, we'll, we might double team some of these questions and answers, but this is what everyone received. All right, here we go. So the email starts. I know you don't want to hear this from me, and I guarantee I don't want to say it, but we are facing an unprecedented attack on the foundations of democracy itself. If you are a U.S. citizen, anything less than a vote for Biden is a vote against democracy. That's right. I'm saying a vote for Trump, a vote for a third party candidate or simply not voting at all. They're all the same. And they all mean, quote, I care more about my favorite issue than democracy. I believe Trump winning is more important than democracy. I am comfortable standing aside and allowing democracy to be met, um, methodologically dismantled in plain sight. Now, I don't I checked the dictionary definition, but democracy means when you're only allowed to vote for one option. That's, a, <laughs> right. that's what democracy means. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and anything other than a vote for Biden is, um, yeah, that's you're you, you're against <clears throat> democracy. You're also against, uh, you know, poor people and you're against uh, life itself. Yeah. So the first question they sent like their own Q&A out to these people. Yep. Why do you care so much about democracy? You may ask. Well, democracy is core to our business success in a variety of ways. Internally, we are famously flat organization. Nobody reports to anyone else. And advancement is the result of meeting well-defined criteria as judged by the vote of those who have already advanced. <clears throat> How we compensate each other is left up to a team vote as well. Even our external business model depends on individual employees electing to adopt expensify as individuals and then campaigning internally to get it adopted company-wide at every layer democracy is our core competitive advantage both as a company and as a nation but that advantage is only as strong as the clarity of our rules and the fairness of their application any attempt to distribute the rules or apply them unfairly is a direct threat to the strength of our company and the strength of our nation <laughs> hell i would just vote myself a raise every freaking yeah. week you can only get a raise not based on your uh, overall competency as an employee, but you need to get you need to uh, work on at least fifty one percent of the people who uh, who work with you. That way, you can actually uh, get a raise. Yeah, that's very you interesting. Friends with them. These are, this is a lot of reasons why I've never heard of this company, and we literally work in business all day, and never heard of this company before this. And this is yeah. why they're not going to make it to the top. But anyway, <laughs> the next question, what gives you the right to tell me what to do? Uh, a reader may ask. And uh, he goes on to say the first amendment <laughs> to be clear, you don't need to listen, but the first amendment exists to encourage people like you and me to find some way to talk about the issues that matter, set aside our differences and find a common ground to which we collectively govern 331 million citizens. As long as it's the common ground that I tell you, you have to have. Yeah. As long as you <laughs> adhere to the preface of these question and answers and agree with me that a vote for anyone else besides Biden is a vote against democracy, then we can, um, we can find common ground. Yeah. 
Yes, democratic self-rule can be inconvenient, but a burden of democracy is that this is literally our job. So I'm asking all of us to take it seriously. All right, continue on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading the... <clears throat> but you're a... <clears throat> Wait, did you go through the... But you're a company? Oh, no. But you're a company. Shouldn't you remain neutral? I'm going to skip down to the next one. Do you, do you think you're exaggerating a bit? That's the question. I truly wish I was. I wouldn't be sending this email if this election were just about normal issues. Taxes, legislative priorities, health care, you know, things that lead to the deaths of millions of people. But it isn't. This election is a referendum on what limits, if any, we place on our elected leaders to govern us in a fair and representative way. Okay, hold on. Hold on. You you have to vote for the left, for Joe Biden and eventually Kamala Harris circa late next year. And this is why you have to do it. Because this election is a referendum on what limits we place on our elected leaders to govern us in a fair and representative way. This election will decide if widespread voter suppression is an acceptable governing tactic. Now, the governor, the 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 uh, governing, uh, what is he talking about? The voter suppression is what he's actually worried about. That's what he's actually going on about for the rest of it. Doesn't everyone suppress votes? Not like Trump. <laughs> this is the most heavily litigated election in history, with over 300 lawsuits rushing through the courts before Election Day. And in every case, Biden is pushing to enable voters while Trump is pushing to suppress them. Mm, why? The trend, now, obviously, there could be negatives on both ends right there. It could be one, because Biden wants to benefit from potentially fraudulent voting. And it could be because Trump is worried what would happen if everyone in the country actually can just go vote. And it was really easy. Those could both be true at the exact same time. All right. The trend couldn't be more clear. Biden wants democracy. Trump does not. <laughs> A vote for Trump is to endorse voter suppression. It really is very basic. This isn't about party politics. If Biden were advocating for half of the voter suppression that Trump is actively doing, then I'd be fighting against Biden too. But he's only advocating for 49%, so my Democratic stupid-ass brain doesn't care. <laughs> this is bigger than politics as usual. This is about the very foundation of our nation. All right, Which, sorry. He didn't put that one so part in there. tired but, yeah. of people saying the foundation of our nation is democracy. It is, you know... In one sense of the word, the fact that people get to vote on the people that are in the government, like that is a broad sense of what democracy is in a way. But obviously we have a different kind of democracy. We've got that old republic. Thank you, old TJ, <laughs> for that. And uh, whoever else was involved, I don't want to I don't want to ruffle any tar and feathers here. So anyway, we don't have just well, a the, and the, the government we have set up is to protect my minorities because democracies don't protect minorities. Yeah. The, yeah. the government we have set up is designed and supposed to protect the individual against the masses. Now, remember, if you vote third party, then you're pro voter suppression. Also, the third party who can't get into the debates has to struggle all the time to be able to even get on the ballots has to have more signatures than any of the other parties when it comes to all the local and state elections all over the country. And you're also lumping them in 
with if you vote for them, then you're pro-voter suppression. A party that literally people won't let get on the ballot a lot of the times, even though they get millions of votes. <clears throat> Just saying. This guy is making, making a lot of sense here, ma'am. Let me tell you what. It isn't Biden. Isn't Biden just using more widespread voting to get elected? Absolutely. This is the heart of the issue. Biden believes that enabling more people to vote will help him win. Biden wins by promoting democracy. Trump wins by suppressing it. A vote for Biden is a vote for democracy. I think he had his commie bot write this too. Those things are very prevalent today. Democracy. Democracy. Uh, do you want to finish it up? Yeah. Or go a little bit more? Yeah, so um, let's skip down to the next one, right? Uh, he says, why send me this when the polls say Biden is going to win? The polls said Trump was going to lose last time, and he didn't. But even if the polls can be trusted, that might still not be enough. Trump has stated repeatedly he will only honor an election that he personally feels is fair. So much depending on his personal judgment is worrying because he has rejected the overwhelming expert consensus that voter fraud has been negligible historically and has also said he believes it would be impossible to lose a fair election. Accordingly, the only way to ensure a peaceful transition of power is to ensure this election is an overwhelming, undeniable landslide in favor of Biden. Any excuse to question the election is an opportunity for Trump to refuse to leave the White House, plunging this country into a constitutional crisis bordering on civil war. No matter how slight that risk may be, the consequences of it happening would be so catastrophic to society and the economy, we need to do all we can to prevent it. <laughs> no matter how slight that risk may be. Now, wasn't it Al Gore who didn't accept the 2000 election? <laughs> well, it's a lot of stuff. I, I believe it was actually the Democrats who still have not... Um... They have conceded, they have the, not conceded the 2016 election. election. Um, they haven't. Actually, what you could say, and let me just let me just say that they have refused to honor an election that they personally feel uh, was unfair, and and so he has been to them an illegitimate president this entire time. And what I'm upset about is not so much the gritty details as to whether or not those things happen or not happen. What I'm upset about is the. Uh, the constant gaslighting that we're barraged with every single day. Yeah. Like this side's going to do this. You have to look out for it while I'm doing the exact same thing. Look over there, please. And that drives me just, just drives me up the batty wall, man. I'm going to tell you what. So I don't know, man, that's dumb bleep number something. What he says at the end here is so oh. hilarious. He says, so one final plea. As a fellow citizen, I fully support you and respect your constitutional right to disagree. Do you, no. David? Do you, David? And as an avid supporter of democracy, I value that disagreement. Constructive, well-informed debate, hopefully using the most accurate, least biased news source available, <laughs> is what makes this nation so exceptional. But the Constitution, oh, the Constitution is only as strong as the respect we give it. I'm asking you to cherish it close to your heart and demand <laughs> that those you elect do the same. That doesn't have the word democracy in it one single time. <laughs> Love, David. Like Todd, like um, Todd said, where do we get this idea that Trump won't leave office? If he says, I won't walk out, then the, the Secret Service is going to escort him out. Yeah, listen, guys, Um, there's not going to be a bunch of MAGA hat wearing people from Chicago inside the White House 
the, trying to keep him in there if the election says he lost. It's not going to happen. All right. It's going to be like a toddler go down to the bunker. Yeah. Like, no, no. no. He's going to hang. He's ah. going to handcuff himself to the radiator. <laughs> and just like old Abe said when they were trying to get him to go to that damn play. And uh, is it is that is it too soon still? Really? No. Still too soon? OK, no, that's not what's going to happen. Like if it comes down to the fact that he's no longer the president We've got a strong enough military that they'll get him outside the building. And if they can't, then we got some questions we got to ask ourselves. And the guy's 74 years old. Come on. <laughs> Good Lord. No, but all he, all he said is that he wouldn't. Now, there could be voter fraud. This thing that the, the widespread consensus is that there hasn't been voter fraud. We also haven't had this widespread 80 million people doing mail-in voting like this. We already, we've already interviewed a guy that's got... Uh, two ballots already sent to his house. And he's like, yeah, three. I'm going to go vote. In yeah, three. Sorry. Right. He was like, yeah, I'm going to go vote in person too. <laughs> and uh, he said that was jokingly. But do you guys really think the computer systems are so advanced that if you mail in your thing through USPS, who lost my package of socks the other day, I can't even get back from them, is going to track the vote. They're going to scan it into the system and they're not going to know when you go in there and you also do your super shady voting process at your local precinct, that they're not going to know that there's multiple? How many years do you think it will take their programs to figure out whether or not there were double votes? We're still trying to figure out how many dead people voted in, in 2000. Come on. this it, Come on, man. I'm still working on the healthcare website. Uh, I'm not trying to be defensive Trump or anyone. I'm trying to be defensive not making stupid arguments about things that are just not true. You know? Can we please debate policies? Can we debate... Uh, capitalism and socialism and <clears throat> you know things like that taxation not taxation government-run health care not government-run health care wars all over the place 20-year war in afghanistan can we talk about some things that are actually happening and not just stuff that came from like slate magazine good lord all right everyone get your votes in get your votes in Wes says, I kind of wish both Biden and Trump had to live in the White House all together and we would get to watch it Big Brother style. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yep. But get your votes in. Tell me about that old stonk market, man. What's been happening lately? It's not been a great week. No, it's been a really shaky week. Although in my futures trading, it's been going <clears throat> been going swimmingly so far. Uh, but no, the market was down a bunch today. Um, looking, looking a little... A little rough, and up until the election, it's going to be shaky. And until they um, usher Trump out with the tanks, it's going to continue to be pretty shaky overall, <laughs> or, or whatever happens. Uh, so it is going to be shaky, but that means it's a perfect time to learn all the strategies. So when it does get back to to pumping and chugging along like normal, then you want to know all <clears throat> the right strategies, all the right tools that you need to have. So go to mastermystonks.com or mastermytrades.com, either one of them. If you want to get to learn it today, go over to the website. You're going to see our beautiful faces giving us speech for Turning Point USA at the top of the page. It has nothing to do with stocks whatsoever. So we're not saying that we're up there um, speaking at an investors conference or anything. All right. That was us speaking to libertarians. All right. It was pretty fun, by the way. We should do that more often. You yeah. want to get some speeches? Maybe we were supposed to. Oh, yeah, Dallas, man. Dallas that whole that. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we should do some more speeches. So go to mastermystonks.com. If you guys are interested in getting in the stock market, you should be because this is your financial future. This is the way to eventually not care what's going on whatsoever because uh, they can't 
get the tanks through the massive piles of cash that surround your house. Okay. So <laughs> now that's in the advanced stages of the class. You got to get all the way to video 250 for that. Yeah. So anyway. And look, when the market, I'm, I'm not fear mongering here. I'm just saying it when then, when there's an inevitable correction of the massive fake pedestal we're standing on, there's still ways to make money. So as everyone else is losing money, you can be making money if you learn how to do it. So you need to learn that skill by going to master my trade or master my stonks.com. You're going to learn Just today. Do it. You're going to learn today. Now, now, if you want to be part of dumb bleep and get your vote in, well, when we tell you to get your vote in, well, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash Liberty. That allows you to get into the live group as long as you commit at least five bucks a month, which is basically nothing. So sign up for basically nothing, which equals $5. And uh, that'll get you in the live group and you can watch us live every single day of the week when we want to, and uh, then be part of the debate that we have going on in here. Be part of the votes. You get your voice heard, you know, well, there's no voter fraud going on in here. We can see every single vote that comes in. So if you want your vote counted, you want your vote heard when it comes to dumb bleep, get in at patreon.com slash good morning. Liberty looks like number three. Darshan Kendrick. Yeah, the corporate lawyer who's a state representative in Georgia. She's the winner. Yep. Doesn't know how minimum wage could possibly be left up to the states and also thinks that Trump literally believes uh, small, uh, uh, screechy dog-like animals are carrying children across the border uh, down south. And and so she wins. She wins for sure. That was definitely, as far as dumb goes, that is the dumbest bleep of the week so all right well if you guys enjoyed today's show which i'm sure you did because it was absolutely fantastic we told you <laughs> at the beginning it was going to be so hit that subscribe button please share the show with a friend i'm asking you to please continue to do that gosh the numbers are just insane right now <clears throat> and uh we still have eight days left in the month and this is going to be our biggest month to date so uh, we really appreciate you guys doing that. We, you know, obviously we've getting, we're getting a lot of comments, a lot of people enjoying the show. Um, a lot of people saying we're funny, which I understand is true. So we really appreciate all that you guys do continue to share the show with a friend with your communist uncle and maybe uh, your fascist aunt. I don't know. Uh, Susan seems to be a little bit on her off a rocker. So, uh, you know, give her some, some real, real life lessons and share the show with her and then leave us that rating and review on iTunes. They, they, we keep getting more of those. We had three new ratings on Saturday and reviews. So thank you for that. Keep those coming in. That helps with the algorithms and the searchability of this podcast. So you guys are doing an amazing job. We really appreciate it. If you do all of that, we'll be back again on Monday. Hope you have a good day and a good weekend and a good morning. Monday.